Estás en el estudio con Dre, Big H y Triple C. Mi gente, póngase a escuchar el Silvacas. Big H, E, Triple C. Yo. If that's not an intro, I don't know what is. I have goosebumps listening to that. Yo. Shout out to my girl. Oh, we appreciate you, baby. That was fire. Word. Hope don't you out there no in better. Jersey Love doing your thing. Dirty Jerves. Word. She's back in the armpit of the, you know, you, <laughs> of the, the United States. <laughs> Word. People, what's up? It's your boys, we back. Silverback Chronicles Podcast. It's your boy, Big H. I got my brother, Dre. What's up, bro? I'm still here. Stuff from this Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> trying, I'm trying to walk the turkey off. You know? yeah, there you go. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, ah, world, all is well. Uh, I hope everybody's doing great. Listen, this is episode 50. Cincuenta. The Big Five O. The Big Five O. 5-0 for the 5-0s. 5-0 for the 5-0s. Just talking about that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, we appreciate you. Please keep tuning in. <clears throat> I'm going to be honest with you. This episode tonight is absolutely insane. It's um, crack from the 80s. It's, it's going to be, Mama used to say, grab your drink, sit, right. sit down, take your shoes off. Listen, put your... Put your camp socks on. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely that time for oh the year for that. Put the bed, put the kids away. Yeah, make sure the kids are sleeping for this one. Please get some brown water, and um, we engage to your ears because we really about to get married. Episode fifty is is. I don't have a word for it, but it's going to be strictly amazing. The guest that we have is. I don't know what to say, but listen, I'm we're gonna get into our sponsors. Triple C, let me get that music. Gotcha. All right. Don't forget, Stop Box USA. Stop Box USA. Go get that for your SBRs, your rifles. And um don't forget the discount. Get 20% off, all caps, silverback podcast, all caps, silverback podcast from your boys here in blue. Uh we appreciate you. And don't forget that merch, www.silverbackchronicles.com. We got everything you need, baby. Hats, t-shirts, sweaters. Don't forget that Bolivian white. It's it's crazy. Scully action. Scully action. You know what I'm saying? You need a beanie, especially for my dudes with the bald heads out there. Pause. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Keep it shiny for the hiney, you heard? Spring collection is going to be working on that. Yeah, spring collection with blue is going to be crazy. Yeah, but that's another yeah. story. Anywho, I'm not gonna waste no time. It's about time. Yeah, sip slow because the knowledge that's about to be spit. 
it's gonna be insane. Yeah, you have to soak that in. Ladies and gentlemen, we got <clears throat> a retired captain over twenty three years on the job. Retired. Looked like he about twenty four. Chipped up. Yeah. Built like a great like 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 he 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 built like a damn eighteen wheeler, baby. Chipped up. Macho macho man without the singlet. <laughs> Chipped up. <laughs> But uh, I love this man. He gave myself, Dre, so much guidance. Absolutely. On the job. And not even just about the job, about life. And that's a big difference, what he brings to the table. And I'm speechless just talking about him. What I would like to add is that, yes, you were a captain. But there's many captains out there. But none of them, or some of them, don't know how to lead. Mm. Mm. You, sir, are a leader. Appreciate that, and that's, that's hard for me to say because I, you know, I'm a, you know mm-hmm. but I that comes from the bottom of my heart. Absolutely, there's certain type of men that I've come across. Yeah, that you'd be like, yo, war, and I, you know, I will follow you to 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 that war because I know we're gonna come back. Absolutely, I appreciate that. Real stuff. But ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, our retired captain, Alonzo Morland. Son, yo! Oh my goodness! I don't know what to say. I'm just, I'm thank God that He placed you in my path just to let me know what being a man was really about, and then grooming me to become an officer, and taking what you told me and applying that to becoming a detective, and just doing phenomenal things within this organization that we strive. To put the best product out in the streets every day, all day. It's just an amazing feeling. And I appreciate you so much. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I, I appreciate both of you gentlemen. Um, you know, I can't be- I can't believe it's been like 10 years right. since you fellas went through the academy, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's crazy. But um, yeah, you know, I was telling my wife, you know, when I told her I was gonna come on the show. You know, I told her how we reconnected and everything. Right. And then I told her, I said, you know, when these guys was, I was about to say kids. Mm-hmm. When these guys was. Because <laughs> was pops. Yeah, you was young. You was young dudes, man. Young dudes, man. But y'all was killing it. Y'all was killing it, man. <laughs> you don't know. Y'all was killing it. And uh, and I told her, I said, man, I just took a liking to y'all because even though it's the academy and it really is like school mm-hmm. with a physical aspect to it. You know, and people don't always take it as seriously as they should. You guys took it seriously. You know, you had fun with it, but you took it seriously. And that's like that, that right there. I was like, man, that's the attitude right there. And I used to always tell you guys, man, as long as y'all continue to do what you're doing right now, y'all be fine. Mm. Y'all be fine. Like there's nothing the Academy can teach you that is going to prepare you to to be out there and use your mind, mm-hmm. right? They give you the academics. They give you the, the defensive tactics and all those things. And those things are great. That is the foundation. But the learning how to use your mind and how to embrace the work mm-hmm. and, and the real purpose of the work, mm. that's something you got to develop for yourself. And you guys like had it from the very beginning. You know, some people get in there and they learn it, mm-hmm. but some people come in there with it. Y'all came in there with it. Wow. You know, so that's like the thing that really drew me to y'all. And there was other people in your class like that, but y'all definitely stood out. 
Wow. I don't know if it's because you big and you bald. <laughs> but I can definitely see y'all having fun with it every day. And plus y'all was leading. You know, I saw y'all correct people. You know, I saw y'all like stand out in the crowd, man. And, you know, it's not always easy to do that when you're still learning. Right. But right. y'all was learning and standing out at the same time. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you. So 23 years. Yeah. Please tell the world, where you from, born and raised? Well, I was born in uh <laughs> I was born in a little town in Alabama, segregated Alabama, but I mostly grew up in New York City, nice. Spanish Harlem. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so How was that growing up? Loving it. Lovely, lovely, mm. you know. Spanish Harlem is what it is. Um, but um you learn everything out there. You know, I wasn't a street kid, but I knew the streets, Right. you know, I was strictly about going to school, playing ball, staying out of trouble, you know, trying to honor my parents and, uh, you know, have fun like every other kid, you know, um, longing for the day I can get old enough to work right, <laughs> and make some money, right. you know, but at the same time, having a lot of fun, you know, a lot of fun. Um, I wouldn't have changed it for the world, mm. you know, two great parents. Um, great siblings, great friends, you know, yeah, it was just good. It was good. You know, not to discount the tough times, but great times. Right. It taught me a lot. Taught me a lot. That's excellent. So what led you, what led down to law enforcement? Was something that you always wanted to do? No, not at all. Um, when, you know, before I moved here, um, you know, I, uh, Mostly worked in the financial field, mm-hmm. um, worked for a couple companies, um, worked for one company um, that's a real large, um, um, a real large consumer company, uh, MasterCard, mm. um, learned how to work with monies and uh, back then traveler's checks, um, things like that. Uh, had a good time doing that and, um, you know, worked in Wall Street for a brief period of time, worked as an inspector at City Hall, um, you know, Back when David Dinkins became mayor, right, right, and yeah. Uh, yeah. rest in peace. Yeah, man. shout rest out to the peace. late great uh, David Dinkins. And um, but when I moved here, you know, the type of work that I was looking for, um, I wasn't really able to find. And I'm all about trying to create opportunities and 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 options. So, um, you know, um, I had a bunch of uh, part time jobs, and I was also temping, mm-hmm. you know, in places, you know, financial homes, um, brokerage homes, banks. So I was get, I was temping in those types of uh, areas. But, uh, you know, when I had my lunch breaks or when I had a day off, you know, back then used to carry resumes. Mm-hmm. So I used to run everywhere carrying resumes. Just so happened one of the places I worked was a um, um, a, um, <clears throat> a fitness center. Sorry. And um, there used to be an officer that would come in there, you know, doing business checks. And every time he would come in there, he was like, yo, man, uh, yo, you yo, what are you, about 6'2"? What are you, about 200 pounds? <laughs> yo, you real articulate, man. You, Yo, you need to go over here to the police department, man. Fill out an application, become a cop. And, uh, I mean, I always had a healthy respect for cops. You know, my first my first um, softball coach, baseball mm-hmm. coach, my first karate coach, mm-hmm. um, my track coach, they were all police officers. Wow. PAL, New wow. York City, That's right? right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in fact, I used to live on the same block as a police precinct. And um, y'all remember uh, Kevin Clark? 
No. All right. He was one of our commissioners back mm -hmm. in the uh, mm -hmm. yeah, in the late nineties, early two thousands. He actually worked in the precinct on my block. Wow. I didn't know him back then. You know, I was a, I was a little kid, but um, but yeah, but we always had good you know relationships with police officers. So never feared the police or anything like that. I just never had a desire. But um, I happened to be walking past the police um headquarters building, and uh, you know, resume in my hand. I go in there. I was thinking, well, you know. I'm pretty good with computers. I, I know how to do bookkeeping and those types of things. Uh, let me see if they have anything, you know, in personnel or, or maybe in the financial, you know, in the financial office or something like that <clears throat> or fiscal office as they call it. So I walked in there, there was an officer at the front desk, you know, there's mm -hmm. always an officer there, right? As soon as you walk in. So I asked him, Hey, you know, you guys have any, uh, openings up there, you know, anything dealing with, uh, fiscal or personnel or anything like that and uh the officer he like stood up same thing with the height and weight thing he goes yo what are you about what six one six two i'm like yeah like how much you weigh i was weighing about 205 210 whatever it was he like you're in good shape I'm like yeah i try to stay in good shape He's like yo we don't have no damn uh uh, uh, jobs for no financial stuff, man. You need to be a damn police officer. Get your ass upstairs and fill out an application. Mm, just like that. <laughs> just like that, man. I was like, oh yeah, you know what? Why not? You know, right. if I get it, I can always turn it down right. if I don't Can't want hurt it. You. But right. creating opportunities, right, and options. Right. So I went up there. You know, one thing led to another, and went through the process, and you know, um, got the call. Mm. Yeah, got the call, and uh, when I got the call. Um, I had been filling out applications everywhere, you know, and, um, but, um, you know, um, I was young in my marriage, had a two year old, three year old at the time, you know, we knew to Baltimore, didn't have any family or friends or anything like that. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, I need some real good benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I need to make a little more money. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking around and I see people that look, half as intelligent as I do, but they own in homes. <laughs> right. I figured, right yeah, I'm, <laughs> I got to get some of this. <laughs> I got to get some of this, man. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. So, you know, when the uh, offer came, you know, I gladly and, and appreciatively took it and uh, tried to make the best of it. Mm. You know? That's wow. awesome. Real yeah. quick, what made you come to Baltimore though? Like, uh, My wife. My oh, wife uh, wanted to move here, you know. Um, so you're originally from here? No, no, no. Um, she just picked this spot. We we met in school up in New York, and um, you know, and uh, she had a brother. She has a brother that was living here. And oh, okay. She would come down to visit, and um, you know, she liked it, and yeah. um, you know, so one thing led to another, and you know, down we here. we moved down here. Yeah, makes sense. Nice. Yeah, yep. it was a uh, you know, it was different. It was different. It's still different. Yeah, it's still different, <laughs> man. Still different. Right. We always express how much we love this town. Absolutely. Oh, we yeah, always absolutely. Express, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing town. It is. So it much is. potential, but we always also express how different it is. It is. You know, it's there's so many opportunities here. And, um, you know, this is the South. You right. Know? And there's some Southern charm to it, mm -hmm. um, right. but there's also some Southern ignorance to it. Oh, say that you again. You know, um, there are a lot of real good people doing a lot of great things, mm -hmm. you know, and then there's some, you know, we police, so we know the other side. Um, you know, there are a lot of opportunities that present themselves, and then there are a lot of opportunities that may be 
mask as something else, you know. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the things that, that always kind of pained me about Baltimore is a lot of people don't see the opportunities, you know. Mm, right. And I'm not saying they're everywhere, but there are enough of them, you know, and enough of us are taking advantage of them that the ones who are not, they should be able to see it, mm. you know. Um, but, you know, that's why platforms like this exist so yes, you sir. can talk about those things right and that's why people like us are supposed to exist so that we can you know talk about it and hopefully we can help some people see those opportunities you know when they come up or hopefully we can help them learn how to create opportunities absolutely you know, for themselves yeah so starting off your career how was it for you being the mind you know a black man from new york mm -hmm. coming to baltimore Right. Of course, dealing with the same adversity we had to deal with back home. Right. What was that transition for you in this new place as an officer mm -hmm. for you? Well, for me, it really wasn't difficult. Um, and and I, I honestly mean that, you know, like I said, growing up in New York, even though I wasn't a street kid, mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 I knew the tricks. Absolutely. You know, I knew what to look for. I knew how people can, you know, get under you, get under your skin. I know how people can take advantage of you and, and stuff like that. You know, you see things, you, you hear things, you learn things. And, uh, and honestly, Baltimore is, is slower when it comes to, you know, those types of things. That's not to say there's not crime here, right? You know, people live a simpler life here, mm -hmm. you know? So most of the stuff that you see is like right out there in front of you. Right. You know? Um, so that part was easy. Um, I love education. I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner. So, um, you know, the academic part, you know, like the academy and learning things, that's always been easy for me, mm -hmm. you know, cause I love learning, right. you know, I used to be a voracious reader, not so much anymore, but you know, back then I read everything, mm. you know? Um, so learning was easy, always in good physical condition, you know, as high school, college athlete, um, play semi pro ball for a little bit. Um, so I always kept myself in shape, right. you know, um, and, uh, you know, growing up, my pops let us box and, you know, take martial arts and stuff like that. And, you know, I had brothers beating up on me all the time. So, you know, getting a bloody nose ain't nothing. So right. <laughs> I already, I knew how to take care of myself. Right. So Usually those things already. Yeah, exactly. So those things were really easy for me. Academy was like going back to school. Mm. You know, it was, it was really like being an adult in school. Right. And um, that's how it was um, with a physical, you know, fitness aspect. Mm -hmm. So so that was easy. And, um, you know, went through the academy, class valedictorian. Um, I think I'm not sure. I, I don't think there were too many African-Americans that made valedictorian before before me. Um, so that was an honor, mm -hmm. um, you know, giving a class speech and all that stuff. Absolutely. And then um, I got lucky. I got real fortunate in that I got sent to the Eastern District after graduation. And, uh, you know, I went to a squad that had a lot of um, veterans mm -hmm. and had some real good leadership, like some excellent leadership. Um, you know, I had a sergeant that I, that I still love to this day. And, um, you know, he was the type of guy who made you work um, but he fully supported you. But if you was out there, you know, jacking off, messing up, he was going to come at you. Mm. You know, same thing with the lieutenant. Uh, <laughs> the lieutenant was a, a staunch um, disciplinarian, um, but a real fair person. And, uh, you know, the, the shift ran extremely well. 
Um, everybody pulled for everyone. Um, I kind of went in there with my head down and my eyes and ears open, mm. you know, asking a lot of questions and didn't try to pretend like I knew everything. So, um, you know, making friends and getting respect was easy, you know, just do just doing my job. And um, <clears throat> so, um, you know, I was able to learn a lot in a short period of time. And um, yeah, it was easy, man. And, you know, East Baltimore is like Spanish Harlem, you know, it's like Central Harlem. Got a lot of real good people out there that want to see good police work, yep. you know, and they support you. And all you got to do is just walk around, respect people, talk to them, you know, whether they're doing right or wrong, respect them, talk to them, you know, find out what's going on, you know, find out who's doing what, you know. Hey, we talk a whole lot when we're off duty, right? All we got to do is talk when we're on duty. So, you know, that's basically what I did. Mm. Drove my drove my car, kept my windows down, <laughs> got out, walk around a bit, talk to people, you know, talk to the dudes on the corner, you know, rather than cursing them out. And, um, you know, it was easy. So what you was doing is what came natural to you, which was community policing, which mm -hmm. became natural for us to do. Right. Which stopped a lot of crime. Right. 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 You know, you, you, you build so much rapport with the people mm -hmm. and they learn to love you and trust you because you're there for the right reasons. Absolutely. And they don't want to see nobody bring harm to you. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. You know, my thing was I saw good policing and bad policing growing up. I know what it feels like, you know, to have someone, someone look at you and help you. Mm -hmm. And I know what it feels like to have someone look at you and try to take advantage of you. Mm. You know what I mean? And uh, you don't have to be a cop to know right from wrong, mm. right? You just need to be a person. You, you're going to know right from wrong. And uh, you know how you like to be treated. You know how you want your loved ones to be treated. Right. You know, um, you know, you can't be out there doing crazy things that you wouldn't tolerate if it happened to you or a family member, right? So, um, so again, it was easy. You know, I'm not saying the job itself is is always easy mm -hmm. but again yo all you need is a ged and a driver's license to join the department right it ain't that hard right <laughs> it ain't that hard <laughs> <All right. laughs> you know you can get into some real bad situations true life and death situations true right you can meet that person whose only purpose that day is to kill a cop right or kill someone that can certainly happen and i don't discount that but by and large, you go through an eight-hour day on average. How much stress do you really get right. in your eight-hour day in patrol? You know what I mean? Now, granted, there's stress running from call to call to call. Mm -hmm. But in terms of people trying to hurt you. Life-threatening. Right, life-threatening. Nah, you know, it happens. Mm -hmm. But on average, it doesn't happen that often. Right. You know, but you got to have the mindset to be willing to deal with it. So you can't just be a a good customer service person, but you also got to be a warrior at the same, at time, the same right? time, you know, yep. you'd be a silent warrior who's ready to do whatever he or she needs to do right. in order to make a bad situation. Right. Right. Keeping in mind, right. That when everything is said and done, you can be on the, you can be out there encounter a situation and do everything right. And it still turns out bad. Yep. Right. Absolutely. But at, your hands. Right. But you do the best you can and doing the best you can also includes treating people like they're supposed to be treated. Absolutely. You know? And so, uh, so like I say, you know, I've, I've never really been a, um, a real aggressive dude. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I consider myself appropriately aggressive. Mm. Um, you know, I speak to you the way you need to be spoken to. Um, 
If I have to yell, I yell. If I got to curse, you know, I, I, I'll curse. If I got to do that to get your attention, then fine. Um, if I have to put my hands on you, that's the very last resort. Um, and that's just the way I carried it, you know. I'll sit here and tell you, I never let, I don't think I've ever let my shift in arrest because that wasn't important to me. Mm -hmm. uh, what was important to me is if I did arrest someone, that it was a good quality arrest. Nope. I'm looking for handguns. Right, <laughs> right, absolutely. I'm looking for handguns and somebody that robbed somebody. Because right. when I go to court, I want it to mean something. Right. You know, I'm not arresting you for, I, although, let me rephrase, I have arrested people for, you know, carrying a couple of bags or a couple of vials and whatnot, especially, you know, when I was first starting. Yeah, now, it was illegal back then. Right, so. right. And you know how it is, you know, you want to make your mark, you know, you do want to. want to show your worth. Right, you want to show your worth, Right. But then, you know, I'm I'm glad that I was I was a little older, you know, in terms I was still in my 20s, but I wasn't 21, 22. Right. So I already had my man mind, right. you know, absolutely. Um, instead of my boy mind, you know, when I was going out there. So I didn't have to impress anyone, but I did have to impress people. Right. You know, I had to impress you enough so that you know that when I'm out there, I mean business. Absolutely. You know, and for my peers, they have to know that when I'm out there, I'm doing my own thing and I'm doing it on my own and I don't really need help. You know, I can stand on my own too. So if I do call you, you know, you know, yeah, you know, right. And so, like I said, I, I don't think I ever let my shift in arrest. Um, but I always made most of my rest was always, you know, high quality felony, you know, type of rest, a lot of handguns, a um, lot of drugs too, a lot of handguns, um, you know, and people recognize that, um, you know, I think, uh, I think I won the officer of the month award like two or three times in my first year That's on awesome. the street, my only year on the street actually, cause I was, I was only out there in uniform for a year mm. before, you know, they pushed me to the uh, drug unit. But, um, you know, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Um, in patrolling that year and then, you know, subsequent years working drugs and CID drugs and all that. I learned a lot. Um, definitely enjoyed the first year the best, you know, um, wearing a uniform, working at my own pace, uh, being able to walk and drive wherever I wanted to, mm -hmm. you know, didn't really have an agenda. Like I didn't have to, you know, target a drug gang or anything like that. I just had to be out there visible. You was freelance. Right, right. And, and make sure that, um, you know, um, people saw me, right. you know, and I was solving problems or at least trying to solve problems, you know? So, yeah. So that, that was the best time I had. Um, I had a great, you know, great run. I, I love my career, but if you're asking me what's the most fun I had, mm -hmm. that was it right there. Your first year. That Your first year. year. And, and my first year in drugs, cause I was still in the district, you mm -hmm. know, still, um, with the same people that was grooming me. Right. You know, um, yeah. Shout out to the Eastern District. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Loved it, man. Loved it. So what made you rise within the ranks? What made you want to get promoted from sergeant mm -hmm. then to lieutenant, mm -hmm. then the captain? Right. Right. What made you want to do all of that? Um, well, when I when I joined, honestly, I had an agenda. You know, obviously I want to be able to provide for my family, you know, so, you know, having work and, you know, being able to sustain myself, that was, that was the first thing. But, you know, like I said, I'm a lifelong learner and, and I try to learn from everything. 
And what I learned real quickly was, Bell, most of these supervisors are supervising, but they're not leading, mm, right? Big they're, difference. They're pushing, they're pushing the buttons that everybody can push. You know, they do a schedule, you know, they, they approve your, your overtime, those types of things, but they're not really leading. And then honestly, I saw some really, really good supervisors, you know, and, and a few of them like really took a liking to me and they would always impart wisdom to me. Um, but at the same time, I saw some cruddy supervisors, mm. people that, yo, you can't barely spell your name. How you going to lead somebody? You mm. know what I mean? Absolutely. And so I figured, yo, if this, if, yo, if this dude can be a supervisor, I know, <laughs> I know <laughs> without a doubt coming right. from where I'm coming from, right. <laughs> seeing the things that I've seen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't no doubt in my mind. What? Four years. All I got to do is four years and then I can take the test. Mm. Yo, I came in, <laughs> I was like, yeah, let me, let me do this thing. Going through the academy, you know, you're reading, you're getting law and all those other subjects and you're seeing how it really isn't that, well, for me, it really wasn't that complicated, right? Um, and then as far as like how to elevate and how to, you know, how to get um, uh, promoted, you know, they told me civil service, um, I mean, I'm sorry, the sergeant's exam is a civil service exam. And then after that, you can take the lieutenant's exam, another civil service exam. Yep. So in my mind, I don't need anyone to promote me. All I got to do is just go out and do well on the exams and then prepare for the board, the oral boards. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. Right. You know, so if nothing else, I'm going to be a lieutenant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to take my time doing it because I don't want to rush it too much. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm going to take my time doing it. So. What happened was, um, you know, um, when I was in my third year, you were actually eligible to take the exam, but you can't get promoted until you completed four years. So I did that. Uh, and the way I studied was basically I just kept the general orders book in my car. Mm -hmm. And whenever I would pull over, you know, take a break, I just read a general order. Mm -hmm. You know, I might read a general order before a roll call. I might read one or two, you know, after the shift is over. I didn't really study, study. I just read, you know, mm -hmm. and I figure if I read a general order, you know, a couple of times, two or three times, you know, in the day, maybe, you know, read it two or three times, you know, during the week, mm -hmm. you know, before going on to the next one, you know, by the time I'm eligible to take the test, I'll know this stuff, you right. know, and that's what I did. So I didn't like study, study as much as I just kind of prepared a little bit each day, you know, same thing with like the uh, ops manual and all those things. So I just tried to keep it simple. And so, um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> two days after I made four years, I got promoted. Nice. So yeah, I made four years on May 22nd, got promoted May 24th. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was good. I, I felt good about it. Um, but then I also realized that, I'm getting promoted after four years. And even though I think I'm, I think of myself as a, you know, a smart individual, there's still a lot about the job that I need to learn. Right. Right. So, you know, so I, um, I was content with being a sergeant for a while. I think I was a sergeant for like eight or 10 years mm -hmm. before, you know, I, um, took that plunge into being a Lieutenant and, uh, pretty much the same, you know, just 
reviewing, reviewing, reviewing. And when the time came to uh, take the exam and do that type of stuff, you know, I, I was ready. I was just going to say, what word of advice would you give? Because there's a lot of like right now, especially now, mm-hmm. because, you know, the department can't keep so many people. So there's a lot of young officers right. that are getting promoted. So I was going to ask you, like, what word of advice would you give them? Mm-hmm. You know, they only got four, you know, three, four years on. Right. For, right. To help them, you know, be good to the people mm-hmm. they're, they're supervising. Right. Well, here it is um, for me. And I honestly believe this um, being a good supervisor. Yeah. Part of the job is you need to know the job. Right. Mm-hmm. And in Baltimore City, if you're on the street for two or three years and if you honestly out there working, you're going to learn what you need to learn. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not to say that you're going to be a super officer, but think about it. You know, in your first month on the street, you probably dealt with a homicide. Yeah. Right. You was in charge of a crime scene, whether it was a homicide, a robbery, um, ag assault, a shooting, right. Shootings. You've dealt with drugs. You probably dealt with a child abuse. DVs, you've done all of that. You've been to court, mm-hmm. right? You've towed cars, you've handled ac- accidents. For for lack of a better way to, to put it, Baltimore City, being on the street in Baltimore City gives you a lot of opportunities to learn a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? So I'll use the term academics. Academically, you already learned the things that you need to learn on the street. The issue is, can you become a good leader and can, are you a good leader? Right. And so we have a lot of people that get promoted and yeah, they got stripes and they got the salary and all of that stuff. And you know, they're, they're authorized as a leader, but they're not really leaders, right? you know, and that's the difference. And that's when you have situations where uh, guys, girls, um, supervisors, they see things going on and they feel powerless to do anything about it. Because they waiting for someone to tell them what to do or waiting for someone to show them what to do, you know, or waiting for someone worse to do it for them. Mm. Right. And that's what you get. And it's not just indicative of Baltimore. That's every major police department has too many of those people that they on paper, they're they're leaders, but they're not really leaders. You know, on paper, they're supervisors. They do more supervising than leading. And there's a big difference. Absolutely. So, so how do we change that though? How does how does that change? Um, you got to demand more. It's it's like it's a thing that, like, it becomes a culture after a while, and it's not something that you can easily change. Gotcha. You know, it's something that has to be changed from the core. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean like, you can go to individual supervisors. Like you can go, you can pick somebody right now that's a supervisor, right? And you can work with them and you can show them how to, how to exhume courage, right? You can show them how to exhibit courage, but you can't make them courageous, but you can show them, right? And, and if they really, really desire to be a good leader, then they're going to figure out a way to must up the courage. It's just an individual thing that you got to go through. So it's an individual, right? But at the same time, you working with that one supervisor is not going to make a difference for the whole department, right? You got to have leaders that already are at that level. And then they have to recognize the people that they're, that they're targeting for promotion, right? Cause if, if you're a leader, like if you're the police commissioner 
and you're the deputy commissioner and all of that. If you really want things to change, they'll change. Think about it. This is your company, right? Right. If y'all want to change something, it's going to change. Absolutely. Right? Immediately. Immediately. Two phone calls. Exactly. 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 Where I'm at right now, um, the, the, the place where I work at right now, they making a really big push for diversity and and building more diverse leadership. And they're honestly making a, a real good effort to do it. Right. And as part of what they're doing is they do these um, these um, forums monthly or regularly. They do these uh, forums and these forums are basically forums where you come in and you speak honestly about your experiences, you know, as a person of color and, you know, and your experiences on the job, personal, whatever. And it kind of gives people a gateway into what you experience mm. and it kind of opens them up to, you know, seeing other people. Right. And it's a, it's a real good, it's a real good thing. But in one of those um, forums, we were talking about, you know, we made some good strides in the, in the organization as far as diversity is concerned, but we'll never get to the place where we want to be because when we get to these forums, the only ones that are talking look like me. Mm. Right. We're not the problem. <laughs> yes, sir. When it talk, when you're talking about diversity, we're not the problem. And I'm going somewhere with this. Right. So one of the statements that I made was if the organization wants to see more black and brown people in positions of leadership, it'll happen. It'll happen. You promote people every day. You hire people every day. When I'm hiring people, they look like me mm. when they weren't looking like me before I got there. Right. Because that's what I want. Mm. I hire women because I want to see women working in uniform. Mm. Right. And they allow me to do that. So what I'm saying is if you want it to happen, it'll happen, but you got to make it happen. Wow. Right. If you're the president of a, of a company with a thousand you know, uh, um, employees and you want to see this person over here make a certain salary and get a certain position. All you have to do is say so. And it happens. And it happens. It happens. happens all the time. It's your company. <laughs> I agree. Right. So if you really want it to happen, it'll happen. So I say all that to go back to police work. If you have a commissioner with courage and I'm not saying the one that, that we have doesn't have it. I'm just saying if you have a commissioner with courage and he or she has the courage to promote people that they believe will carry out the mission. And then you make them accountable mm. for carrying out the mission, the mission to get carried out. But that also means that you got to be willing to call a spade a spade. Mm. So when one of your people out there doing something real crazy and you know that they shouldn't be doing it, yo, with a stroke of the pen, you can get rid of that person. The fact that you don't get rid of that person. That's the problem. That's the problem. It's not the person. Yeah. The person who's out there committing a the crime. Yeah. They're a problem for sure. But you're a bigger problem because you're allowing that person to dictate the culture. Absolutely. When you as the leader should be dictating the culture. Mm. Right. If you're not doing that, then you about the curse. If you're not doing that, you really need to get your ass out of there, man, right. because you're not doing your job. Doing a disservice to everybody. You know what I'm saying? My thing was, I wasn't, 
the best street cop. I knew there was guys out there better than me because they was at it longer than me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I was the best detective. I was a darn good one. But I know there was those out there better than me. But what I was is probably the best leader that they've seen. Mm. Wow. You know, and I'm not saying I was there from the very beginning. I have to grow into it. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was mistakes that I made along the way. But I tell you what, my mistakes was never born out of I'm afraid to do what's right. Mm. You know, I may have made some some administrative mistakes. But I tell you what, you ain't going to be mistreating people when you work for me. That is that shit ain't happening. I know that's right. <laughs> and when it did happen, yo, I'm, I'm on you. Right. I'm on you. I'm on you. Mm. You know. So over 23 years, how. Just to put everything in perspective, how was that for you? Was it hard compartmentalizing a lot, bringing it home? Did a, did some of the things, did a lot of the job affect you mentally? Did you have to speak with somebody just to, mm-hmm. you know, was there ever a time on the job where you dealt with something and it really affected you? Like, damn, I really just saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we all have those times. Um, yeah, there's one time... Um, the first, uh, actually a couple of them, the first time I had a D, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't my first DOA. I had a DOA where a gentleman was like 90 years old. What's um, a DOA, by the way, so the, so the world can know? Yeah, uh, dead on arrival, or some will say death on arrival. It's when a person dies and, um, you know, they're discovered later. Right. Um, and usually it's a, you know, it's nothing criminal, usually. Like in the case with this uh, gentleman, he was uh, 90 years old. You know, had health problems, plus, you know, the age. And um, he he died alone. Mm. You know, he died alone. Um, he didn't really have any family <clears throat> checking up on him. And, uh, you know, his neighbors looked out after him. They had not seen him for a, about a week or two. And um, finally, you know, one of the neighbors called and said, you know, can someone come and check, you know, do a, a, a welfare check and, uh, excuse me. So I got the call and, um, it was on Washington street. I think it was like the 900 block of North Washington. Mm. And, um, so anyway, I go there and, um, you know, knock on the door and the whole nine, you know, couldn't get in, call for a supervisor. Cause I figure I'm gonna have to, you know, bus, you know, um, I just turn break in there. I'm gonna have to force entry right. to, you know, to see if, this person is okay. And uh, long story short, you know, my supervisor come, came, you know, we go to the back. I look up, I saw all these green flies flying around. I was like, God uh, damn yeah. it. Yep. I know what that is. Well, hell, let me go up there. That's what I pay me, right? So I get up there, open up the door. I mean, open up the window. I actually climbed up to the second floor, opened up the window. And uh, as soon as I opened up the window, Dude, I'm not lying. It almost knocked me off the ledge. Smell of death, right? The smell of death, man. You will never forget it. Ever. 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 And uh, so um, I go in there and, you know, he had obviously, it was it was uh, like June or July. So, you know, it was hot. Mm. And uh, sitting in there. Yeah. It's a yeah. Yeah. So he had, you know, blew up like three times his size. And, you know, it was just a gory, gory sight. But that really wasn't what hit me. What hit me was, you know, um, 
being a guy, you know, being the primary officer and everything, you know, you got to go through the thing of finding out who he is and calling his doctor and, you know, mm-hmm. try to find Mexican and all that type of stuff. Right. And during the midst of all that, it became apparent that, you know, here's a man 90 years old and he actually had two children, if I remember correctly, but they never call and check on him. Wow. You know, mm. so here's a man I'm guessing he raised, you know, a family, but nobody was checking on him, you know, so that that kind of and knowing the way I was raised and, and how close I was with my parents and, you know, and, and that type of stuff that that hit me. And um, and then there was a, a case with um, the first time I had a um, um, a DOA that involved a child oh. and uh, and there was some evidence of abuse. And so that one, that one, yeah, that that one messed me up for a little while. Um, you know, that's when you go home and you got to kiss your children and hug them and, you know, kind of recommit yourself that ain't nobody going to mess with your child. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That one always is hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and what. What's the know? mindset like? I don't even know if you could prepare nah. to go to a can't. scene and see that. Right. Can't. Especially right. You can't. You if can't. you have children. Mm-hmm. I mean, in general, it's a child. But when you have children, yeah, yeah, it's yep. like wow, yeah, yeah, yep. even like before, like you hear it come out over the radio, you know, you somebody, hear it, but you hope it's not right, confirmed, right, right, <laughs> right, right. Somebody like Buffy, you know, she dispatches you out to the car, and it's like, cool, I know, I know mm-hmm, what it is, mm-hmm. but then when it's like you know what it is in your right. head, but when you see it, yeah, yeah, that's when it's like, yeah, yeah, like, whoo. Cause I mean, no matter what part of the world you come from, man, children are what they are, right? Yeah, little angels, right? They're little angels, and you know, likewise, our, our elderly. You know, in most places, we revere our elderly. Mm-hmm. You know, we look up to them. You know, we recognize that they've gone through the wars and they've done those things and they paved the way. And and in many cases, especially people that look like us, they sacrifice a lot, a lot. for us to be able to do what we Absolutely. do. Absolutely. So to have that concept. And then to see that, yo, come on, man. You leave that per- like that's the foundation. Yeah, you leave that alone. Yeah, yeah. And and the and the kids lived in the city. Wow, oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, not once did they they didn't call nothing. Yep, and yeah. you know, and it stuck. I mean, and I'm I'm reciting it because the more I'm talking about, the more I'm remembering. <laughs> you know, the neighbors like, yeah, we, you know. I, I think he has kids, but they never come around and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, there's always one in the, in the, in the block that knows everything. Right. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I appreciate that somebody was thinking about him enough to call, you know, right. but, um, yeah, I was like, man, I, I hope he went fast, you know, right. um, whatever happened to him. But, um, yeah. So those, those, you know, those are like, yeah. And there was a bunch of others that, you know, um, there was the one in Northwest where these uncles um, decapitated uh, then I think it was two nephews and a niece. Mm, yeah, that was famous. Yeah, yeah. I was in homicide at that time. It wasn't my case, but I, I remember the night um, or the day, you know, that, um, you know, we got that call and everything. And I was like, come on, man, you really? And the family members did it i was like yo wow that's crazy that's crazy you know did but, you go to that scene uh no 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 
I made the mistake of seeing the pictures and uh, <laughs> I don't know why, you know, because my thing back then was I'll read reports because I wasn't a homicide investigator. I came into homicide as a supervisor. So, you know, I always try to increase my learning curve by reading and reading and reading. And, um, you know, I don't have to see the pictures unless I'm actively trying to figure out the case. Right. And certainly I don't need to see pictures of, you know, uh, decapitated, you know, children. And uh, so I made the mistake of looking at those. Yeah. And um, yeah, that that one that one got me. Um, but yeah, man. But um, overall, you know, um, I really enjoyed my time in uh, Baltimore PD. Um, made a lot of friends. Um, made a good living. <laughs> right. um, took advantage of the education. You know, got a chance to do the things that I like doing mm -hmm. that are important to me. You know, so um, yeah, great. I had a great time. That's awesome. I think it's it's it it should be a career that a lot of people shouldn't be ashamed to feel bad about doing it. Mm -hmm. You should. I think a lot of people, a lot more people, should do it, and it is really making changes. Absolutely. You know, you you do the right job. You're out there doing the right thing, and if you do it that way, you'll be a, a perfect and a prime example of what a great officer is. And tries to work hard to be, and you make that change, and that mm -hmm. affects everybody. It does. It does. Uh, being a police officer is a noble. It's a real noble profession, and but the problem is, a lot of officers don't recognize it as a profession. Mm. You know, by definition, it's a profession. You know, you have to be certified. You have to go to training and be certified. You have to go to you know, recertification every year. Right. That's a profession. Absolutely. There are certain tools you have to have mm -hmm. and you have to be proficient in. That's a profession. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know, you have to be a professed expert in certain places. When you go to court, at some point you got to be a recognized expert mm -hmm. in order to be on that witness stand and be, you know, and be effective. Right. When you go make a drug case and you go, you know, stand before a judge you get recognized as an expert in recognition or whatever it is, you know, that you're doing. Yep. It's a profession. But again, the problem is a lot of people don't understand it as a profession. They don't see it as a profession. They don't treat it as a profession. And then on top of that, you have a lot of people that just go into it for the wrong reasons. Right. You know, you, you can't be, I don't think you can be in that profession and either do a great job, or do a great job and enjoy it, right? If you're not a person that that's a giver, mm -hmm. you know, if you're a taker, you're not going to enjoy it. You're going to enjoy taking from people, right. but you're not going to enjoy the profession. If you're not a person who's service oriented, like if you've never done anything for anyone in your life, don't be a, don't be a police officer. It's not for <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> it's like being the president when you've never done anything for anyone and you've never served in any capacity whatsoever. Mm. But now you find yourself being the president of the U S that shit ain't going to work. Right. You know, that's perfect. Oh my <laughs> goodness. So 23 years on, did you, what made you, was you done? Could you have did a couple more years? Yeah, uh, economically, it would have been great for me to to do another three years. I would have, you know, 
pension wise and all that type of stuff. Yeah, it would have been better. But um, when I joined, I honestly said, I'm going to do 20 years. And I'm out. And I'm out. I joined, you know, in my late 20s. I was 28. So I figured, you know, I'm going a, I'm to a join. I knew they had an educational benefit and all that stuff. I said, okay, um, I'm going to join. I'm going to finish school. Um, maybe I'll get an advanced degree or maybe I'll get a law degree. Um, you know, I'm going to buy a home, um, do some investing. Um, I'm going to get to a place where I can get out there and teach or instruct. Um, and then, um, you know, when I'm like 48, I'm going to retire so that I can go and do some other things that I like to do, you know, do some other work and some other things and still be young enough and attractive enough to, you know, employers and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Cause once you hit like 50 and that type of stuff, you know, people start looking at you differently. Now, granted, you don't have to put your age on, you know, applications and stuff, but you know, people dig, right. So that's kind of like, that was like my mindset. Um, but as I was going through my career, you know, good things just kept happening for me. And, um, you know, and I was really enjoying what I was doing. Excuse me. I, you know, I was always meeting good people, always landing in good situations. And, uh, and I just kept building my skill set because, um, like every couple years, you know, I get a phone call and somebody's asking me to come, you know, supervise this squad or come manage this, you know, this area. Um, or come take over this, you know, this unit. And I didn't really recognize it at first, but all it was doing was giving me a specialty, which is going to a situation that might be a little chaotic or really chaotic, mm -hmm. you know, calm things down, put people in the right places, straighten out the policies and procedures, you know, add some good practices, straighten things out, stabilize it, and then leave it for the next person. Then go do it again somewhere else, mm. you know, and that basically became my specialty. So you was the cleaner. I'm the cleaner. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, you know, and then, you know, after doing that a couple of times, it, then I started to realize, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually doing a good service for the agency, right. you know, and at the same time, I'm meeting good people. I'm landing in good situations where I'm being challenged all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying it was all good. I mean, I, I did run into a lot of challenges that test my fortitude, mm. which is also good. You know, it made me develop better resolve, nice. you know, um, to deal with stuff. Cause by nature, again, I'm not aggressive by nature. I force myself to be aggressive. Um, and, you know, and by turn, I, I learned how to channel that and be appropriately aggressive, mm -hmm. you know, and to be a butthole when I need to be, you know, and, and those types of things. And I don't know if I would have gotten that if I wouldn't have been, you know, in the police department. Because believe me, you run into a lot of assholes, right? <laughs> so you get a lot of practice, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got a lot of practice, man. And, you know, I met a lot of great people that helped nurture me, right. you know, I, and I can't overemphasize that. A lot. Of, I, I mean, I could rattle off so many names of people that took their time to teach me things and to encourage me and and, you know, to set me straight when I needed to be set straight too. you know. So, um, yeah. So um, how did I know it was time? So initially that was my thinking 20 years ago. But um, 
you know, then, um, you know, got to 20 and I was like, no, nah, things are still going. I was still enjoying it. But I also felt like I was enjoying it a little less, like like each month seems like a little bit was chipping away. <laughs> and I think a lot of that was me being in internal affairs and seeing how how much our leadership was lacking, mm. you know, because we allowed things to happen when we didn't have to. And uh, so when I got to that point where I'm like, man, you know what? I shot my load, man. I'm t I'm about to go to sleep now. Right. You know, right. it's time to go. Yeah, yeah, it's time to go. Right. And uh, yeah, and so when that time came, I'm like, yeah, I can hang on and I could do like, you know, I could still do another 10 years. But no I could problem. do another 20 years without right. no problem. But my heart wasn't in it, you know. Right. Um, my heart wasn't in it and um everybody says yeah. they know you know when it's when it's your time yeah it's yeah time. and you know because you know even after i left you know granted i still keep in touch with a lot of people and and i still love the department and you know and i i have emotional energy invested in the agency mm -hmm. but i don't miss working in the police department gotcha you know and never did miss it you know once you left right i you know i i'm i at times I miss the aspect of standing before class and teaching, but I get to do that where I'm at. You know, I get a, I used to miss a little bit of, you know, talking to people like we're doing right now and, mm -hmm. you know, giving them a little bit of what I have and taking a little bit of what they have, but I get to do all of that, you know? So, um, yeah, so I don't miss it. I miss the people, you know, I, I miss the service to the city, but I don't miss the work. Right. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. That's amazing. And that's what I said. Out of all the out of all the I know you said your first year and um Eastern District, but what which unit did you like love to supervise? Um <laughs> let me see, man. Yo, <laughs> believe it or not, man, the uh, like what was the most fun? Like the most fun? Uh Western District drug, drug unit. Oh yeah, Western right. District Drug Unit. That was the most fun. Um, that was the most fun to supervise. Um, that was my second uh, job as a supervisor. Mm -hmm. My first was, you know, I got promoted. They sent me to the Western Patrol, and uh, that was fun. I learned a lot real fast because it was my first uh, time supervising as a police, you know, um, supervisor. Actually, it was my first supervising job. Period. Mm. It's the first time I ever been the supervisor, you know. Hell, I wasn't even the captain of the basketball team growing up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, so I learned a lot, um, and that was cool. But then the drug unit, I had a lot of fun. It was the most fun I had because you know I had good people. They was hardworking. Um, they were creative, um, and. Um, for a brief time, I was allowed to do what I thought was important, you know, mm -hmm. to get the job done. Um, we made our own targets, meaning, you know, we determined who we needed to go after. Uh, we determined what, you know, blocks were, you know, the blocks that we need to concentrate on. And so, you know, having some of that autonomy to make those decisions, uh, that that was good. That was good for me um, because, it made me grow a little faster, you mm. know, because I didn't have someone telling me what to do, you know, in patrol, even though you don't necessarily have people telling you what to do, mm -hmm. you're 
your um your missions are real clear. Right. You know, right. your missions are simple. You know, make sure your people out there, you know, making sure that they, you know, create omnipresence, you know, make sure that they're answering calls. You know, those type. it's like real cut and clean. Right. But in the drug unit, you know, you can do so many things, you know, and you can develop people in a different way and yourself mm-hmm. in a different way. And to be able to do that, but have to find your own way at the same time, right. it forced me to grow. Nice. Where I probably would not have grown as much if I was, you know, still in um, in patrol. Wow, that's amazing! Damn, uh, what a phenomenal way to kick off episode fifty, man! Amazing <laughs> <laughs> knowledge. I love it. Cause we well, can keep going. You of course, you're gonna have to come back. Oh, I would love to come back, Please man. Come back. Yeah, I and would then love we to really come back. get into it. Absolutely. This was like your genesis. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Triple C. Yo. <laughs> about that time, baby. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's episode 50. I'd like to thank Mr. Morland for coming in. Retired Captain Morland. Morland, he's the man. I'm telling you, man, this job is it's amazing. It does phenomenal things. You meet great people. And type of leadership that we got it's hard to get that the the foundation was set it's nothing wrong with learning being humble humility is everything do it for the right reasons you come out better with that being said we love you keep tuning in tell a friend to tell a friend it's episode 50 Dre what else you got just, just listening to our, you know, our former captain list. We need to, as a, as an agency, we need to get back into taking pride in our profession. That's what I got from this. You know, absolutely it's a beautiful profession. Absolutely, like you said, it was noble. Mm-hmm. We need to, we need to get back to that. I know the world's seeing different things, but us, we have to go out there, and you know, when you put on your uniform. Pride, man. Pride, pride. You know, pride Pride in in everything we do. I mean, it's simple. If you if you wear a dirty uniform, you don't love this job. No, Mm. you don't love this profession. Nobody looks at you like you love what you do. Right, right. There's a reason why some people go through their whole career and they don't ever have any issues Mm. or problems. Absolutely. Wow. Well said, Dave. I ain't got nothing else to say about that. I got nothing else to say. All right, everybody, be safe. Enjoy your weekend. Don't drink and drive. Keep God first. Stay blessed. And we'll see you next week. Peace and love. Dre, big H, E, D, B, C. The views and opinions expressed on the Silverback podcast are those of the hosts, producers, and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the federal, state, or local government. This includes, but not exclusive to, the Department of Defense and or the Baltimore City Police Department.